Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried begging you for money. Give me money to make more, uh, Cut, take two. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried saying to you, give me money. I want money. Just give me money to make more Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. It costs money, believe it or not. You're over there saying, but it's so cheap and amateurish. I know that, but it still takes money. So it's patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. Patreon.com slash Gilbert Gottfried. And there are rewards in it. I can't even say reward. Rolling. And there are cut. And you know, like signed posters, and uh, and I'll some some of you, if it's enough money, I'll roast you. And uh, there's so much, so much. But it's Patreon.com/slash Gilbert Gottfried. Give me money. This is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And uh, we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is an actor, producer, podcast host, film historian, Emmy-winning writer, and one of the sharpest and most admired stand-up comedians of his generation. You've seen him on Mad TV. The Ben Stiller Show, Roseanne, Seinfeld, The King of Queens, Clerks, Mob City, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Parks and Recreation, Real Time with Bill Maher, and Family Guy. And in the film's Mystery Men, I Woke Up Early the Day I Died, and the uh, this one I think I've heard of, The Aristocrats. <laughs> She's written and... She... She, I haven't written down she, so I think you're going to have to cut your dick off, please. If you could, it would, because it cost a lot to retape these. So just no chop, chop your dick off. She has written she with her big breasts and neatly trimmed bush. Has, has, has written and starred in several of her own stand-up comedy specials, including Dana Gould, Let Me Put My Thoughts in You, and Dana Gould, I Know It's Wrong. But wait, there's more. He, or I'm sorry, she, has also written for popular and successful TV shows and spent seven seasons as a producer and staff writer on a little-known short-lived series called The Simpsons. His terrific podcast is called, appropriately enough, The Dana Gould Hour, and his brand-new horror comedy series, 
which he wrote and created called Stand Against Evil, premieres November 2nd on IFC. Please welcome to the show one of the hardest working women in (laughs) show business, the illegitimate love child of Ernest Thessinger and Maria Uspenskaya, our pal Dana Gould. <laughs> that whole intro should end with, and still can't break through. <laughs> and yet he's still in the clubs. <laughs> People, comedians he's never heard of are selling out the uh, d- d- Enormo Dome and stadiums. Yes. See him MC on open mic night. <laughs> He's going to Minneapolis next week yes. to do six shows in three days. <laughs> did we get the date right? The premiere date? On uh, yes, Stand you did. Evil? Yeah, they're, uh, the first, it's, they're sneaking two episodes. First of all, thank you for that. Kind. As a woman in comedy, it's not easy for me to assert <laughs> myself. Neatly trimmed trim bush was my favorite part of that intro. You know the neatly trimmed bush ah, was yes. my favorite part of that intro. You're in town. I don't, even, I don't even think they. I don't think people have bushes at all anymore either. That's <laughs> no. like a no, dated reference. No, it is dated. Now, what are you feeling about a girl with a bush? I, I uh, honestly, if we're going to go there, uh, I prefer it. I, yo, yo, don't go there. <laughs> there I said, no, I, well, I have three daughters, so the last time I saw a vagina with no hair on it, it was covered in its own feces. Um, so, yeah, I don't like the, the denuded pedundum. I like a wow. neatly trimmed bush. That's that's all I have. I like neatly. it big. I like it to look like Lenny Kravitz is tying their shoes. <laughs> Just all scraggly and uh, <laughs> like like the little sticker with eyes that used to come on the back of a Plymouth duster. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a reference! Oh. You want it to look like a, a tarantula that's been yeah. run over on the highway. <laughs> a bear cub that lost an argument with the steamroller. Yeah. <laughs> But getting back to Stand Against Evil. You know, sure. You know what a really big, unruly <laughs> bush? Yeah, let's... I, uh, th- Joanne I, Worley. No. <laughs> Rutherford Hayes. No. Jacqueline Onassis. Oh, yes, the Ron, and I the saw it. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. That was a completely... That went yeah. up to her shoulders. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that it was yeah. more like a vest. Yeah, it started yeah. at her knees and went up to her shoulders. It looks like it looked like she was hiding behind a black kite. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we, I saw those in uh, Hustler, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Those photos. yeah that was day. an unruly bush. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's what really. But killed you know, him. someone when you think of these old-time glamorous <laughs> actresses. Like Ingrid Bergman or Rita Hayworth yeah. and Joan Crawford, they must have all had like yeah. this massive. Yeah, push. they they didn't they didn't. I, that's a new, relatively new thing that that level of uh, personal grooming. Yeah, you look at, you know, uh, Rita Hayworth, and uh, yeah, she looked like an aerial photo of Angela Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Now, yeah, yeah, and yeah, now, yeah. and now, even guys like people, because I, you know, uh, got divorced a couple of years ago and had to date and didn't know how to date anymore, and and it was I've been 
it's it's a joke for my act, but it was it's true. It's like I was just so trained as a husband. I didn't, you know, I just go up to women, hi. Uh, so I was sitting there, and I thought you might have a long list of chores and errands you wanted me to do. <laughs> I know we've, I know we just met, but I thought you might want to tell me what I did wrong. And um, that's funny. And people's like, do you, do you manscape? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't need it to look. It, it's bad enough that it looks like chicken parts. I don't need it to look like chicken parts on the shelf at the store. I'm fine with it looking like chicken parts that have been thrown on the floor of a busy barber shop. <laughs> I want to see you segue from this into George Zucco. I want to see oh, how you okay. could, how you artfully George make Zucco. the transition. You couldn't fit her bush under a fez. <laughs> Speaking of fezes, the great George Zucco. <laughs> George Zucco had a very neatly trimmed bush. Dana sent me an email saying he just wanted to talk about George Zucco, Dwight Fry, and Lionel Atwill. Okay, now the, Lionel the Atwill. Yeah, the big ones. Yeah. I, and for those of you who don't know Lionel Atwill, shame on you. Yeah. But Why are when, you listening to this podcast? When, when exactly. you see in like Young Frankenstein. Yeah, that Kenny Mars yeah, is doing Kenny Lionel Mars, Atwill. Kenny Mars. And right. he with the wooden arm. arm. And so that's uh, that's Lionel Atwill. I also think famously played Dr. Cyclops. Correct. Yes. Uh, very good. Yes. Yeah. And didn't he, wasn't he also uh, one of the uh, Professor Moriarty's? Or was Probably, George yeah. Zucco was Professor Yeah, with, with, with Basil Rathbone. Yeah, and the old, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, Lionel Atwill, who's a very, very popular working actor in the 30s and 40s, and people forget that, like, Hollywood and all of that stuff, Debauchery isn't a new invention. No. this It goes all the way back. And Lionel Atwill, who's a very famous character actor, but if you read a little, read Hollywood Babylon. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. He also was, and I quote, an orgy master. <laughs> <laughs> you like that term. I do. It's, yeah. it's sort of like a, I, I feel like the music behind this should be. There's an auctioneer element to it. There's a square dance calling element to it. Yeah. A good a good orgy master is the cousin of the square dance caller. Yes. <laughs> I yeah, because I knew, and he got in trouble with the law a few yeah, times. It was, yeah, well, somebody was, you know, a lot of a lot of young actresses were known as uh, the five o'clock girls. I, you know, I, <laughs> no, that's, that's yes, what they were yes, calling. Yeah. You know, you'd get a contract, you get a one year contract with Metro Golden Mayor. And they'd put you on salary, but basically it was just like, uh, go see this guy at five, and there you go. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, uh, Marilyn Monroe was a f- famously a five o'clock girl. And uh, some of them uh, some of them broke out of it, and some of them didn't. It was, it was yeah, it was, it was, it was the wild, wild west at the time. And uh, um, it was uh, sort of an open secret. And Lionel Atwell, unfortunately, uh, there was a, one of these girls was happened to be underage, and somebody told somebody, and it, and it was a. I don't think anybody cared, but they cared about it getting out. When it looked like it was going to get out, poor Lionel Atwill got arrested. Yeah, they said Lionel Atwill at one point showed up on the set of one of his movies crying because he sure. really thought he was going to prison. Yeah, yeah. Who was the guy who they found him? In his bathtub and like S and M gear, he found dead. He was oh in his bathtub and S and M gear. Albert Decker. Albert, Albert Decker. Decker. Albert he Decker. was Doctor Cyclops. Albert yes, Decker was Doctor Do- Cyclops. Not Albert Lionel Decker. Atwell. They found him hanging in his right. shower, 
with a gag. Full, full bush. Yeah. Full bush. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was a full Reagan. <laughs> it, was, it was a full Eisenhower. He, he had a gag in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, on, on uh, you know, blindfold. He was chained. He was yeah. handcuffed. Yeah. yeah. He... His nipples, they he drew like little suns. On yes, them. yes, yeah, yeah. And then wrote obscene words and drawings yeah. all over his body. And the police came and said uh, suicide. Yeah, yeah. And really? The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has beautiful handwriting on his own back. Well, yes. Yeah, that's and why while he killed yeah. in handcuffs. Well, in handcuffs and bugging. He shot himself 13 times. Yeah. He was so upset. <laughs> like, he was in handcuffs, and yet he was still able to hang himself. So, like, Houdini was reading that going, <laughs> how the fuck is this guy so good? Yeah, and, there, and there's also, a, now I'm, now it's all coming back to me, and there was $72,000 in cash missing from his apartment. Oh, yes. He was, he was just buying a new house, and uh, and that went missing, but yeah, because back then in the LAPD, it was just like, eh, pervo. Oh, yes. Right, sure. suicide. I, oh, well, another one, a horrible death, was uh, Raymond, Raymond Navarro. Raymond Navarro. Yeah, I knew you were oh, going there. Dude, what happened to Raymond Navarro? That, that I don't know. That, yeah. he had two guys. Was male hustlers? Yeah. They killed him, Two male supposedly. hustlers. Yeah. Allegedly. He Allegedly. Had, he had redecorated his room, and he said to describe how much money it costs to redecorate, he goes, uh, something like, I have $10,000 in this room. And these two hustlers thought, oh, he's got actual $10,000. Oh, 10, no. He meant he put it into this room. Yeah. Oh, no. And they beat him for hours. And I uh, think he, like, like choked to death on his own blood yeah, some, or his yeah, some, teeth or something. Yeah. They tortured him. Oh, and and, and like, no, I you, think they got away with it. And it was also, and he must have been like, "You idiots!" Yes. What I meant, I put ten thousand dollars. Yes. No, you moron. Yeah, and I think they got away with it. Yeah. Oh God. Well, that was another another really gross one. Is uh, Montgomery Clift when he got in his car accident? Uh, he was leaving Elizabeth Taylor's house, driving down Laurel Canyon, where I drive every day. Yeah. Uh, taking my kids to school. He got in a horrible car accident. Uh, Elizabeth, they heard the crash. Elizabeth Taylor literally drove down and saved his life she, by yanking his teeth out of his throat. That's yeah, what I yeah. heard. She yeah. was reaching into his mouth. Yeah, to pull and his pulling teeth Pulling the teeth that yeah. were choking him to Yeah, death. God. And there's a movie. I forget the name of the movie, but like <clears throat> in the first half of the movie, he's fine. In the second half of the movie, something just looks off. Oh, wow. And yes. that's the one that he had the car accident right in the middle of it. And this, there's a story Murph Griffin told. That he got, uh, you know, a knock on his door and he answered it and some guy was standing there. And Merv was saying, yeah, can I help you? And the guy said, you don't know me either, huh? And it was Montgomery Cliff wow. after the accident. Yeah, somebody told us that story. I yeah, I, I think I told guess. it about 20 maybe, maybe times. <laughs> but yeah, wow. he was going from house to house of people who knew him. To see if anyone could recognize. Oh my God! No, I met Merv Griffin. Uh, did you? Did you do Merv show? No, never did Merv. I met him. I never <laughs> did the show. A I, lot of people. Have done yeah, Merv, but, not <laughs> but I, I did. He owned a uh, place in Palm Springs. He owned like a uh, resort in Palm Springs, yeah. 
And a friend of ours had their birthday party there. And I did, you know, it was a big fancy schmancy birthday party. And I wore like a white tuxedo with a fez. Like it was that kind of like a big fancy birthday yeah. party. And I swear to Christ, I turned around. There was Merv Griffin. And he just went, went ooh, a fez. Ava Gabor had one of those. <laughs> I'm not making that up. No, uh, I, I have no reason to make that up. My new favorite story on But I show. love that he, like, he name-checked one of the Gabor sisters in like a seven-second meeting. Yeah. He's wow. like, she, right she was one of his daughters. I just You're have right. to mention, it was, it was her immediate, I have to mention Ava, Jaja, or Mrs. Miller. And then, yeah. and then I'm good. It's an official meeting. She was one of the covers, uh, Ava Gabor. Uh, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it was really, funny. it was really funny the way he just. Yeah, Eva Gabor. Okay, good. Yeah, Mrs. Miller. Good. Okay, great. Has Mrs. Miller ever come up on this show before? I don't think so. Oh, that's, wow. a, that's a great. That's a great Mrs. old reference too. Mrs. Miller. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Merv Love. I will say in the seven seconds that I met him, lovely guy. Seemed yeah. like a great guy. Yeah. Uh, man with two brains did that. Was sure. You know, oh yes. Yeah. Sure. Sense sense humor about himself. His headstone says, uh, "I won't be right back." After oh these really? Messages. Oh good for the good for yeah, him. Good for him. Set a sense of humor. You good know the Atwill thing makes me wonder if, if not like that son of a bitch, Mike Douglas. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Einstein was on with us a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow! He told some wonderful Mike Douglas stories. Um, but the Atwill situation makes me wonder if there were Hollywood fixers involved. Oh, if there was, turn, and, yeah. and, and those days, but even like Universal, which wasn't well, people like Eddie, Man- people like Eddie, Eddie Mannix yeah. and all those guys. Yeah, they would. They made problems go away all the time. That, well, that's the kind. I, that Atwill story is the kind of both Clark Gable, John Huston, and Busby Berkeley got into uh, drunken car accidents where they killed people. Uh huh. And and it was just uh, away. swept away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And there was a huge problem with uh, a lot of these uh, big East Coast investors were brought out west, and they were going to have a wild west party. And I think it was MGM, and uh, and they had all the five o'clock girls, and it was just a debauchery. And and one of these girls like blew the whistle like hey wow we got we were just supposed to show up and fuck these dudes yeah. and it was like so she never you know she found herself back in Wisconsin. Did you see the uh, Coen Brothers a, movie about the fixer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pre- yeah. pretty good. It, well, it was yeah. uh, Hail Caesar. Yeah, kind of yeah. accurate. I, yeah. I think there was um, there's a lot of really interesting. Uh, it was just especially Metro Golden Mayor, which was you know it was like the it was like an economy unto itself. It was so powerful. Um, uh, there's a lot of stuff that went on that just got just. It got makes swept you wonder away. why some things surfaced and so like Arbuckle oh, yeah. and Lionel Atwill. Why some how some things came to the to the surface and others did not. I think I think when everybody's doing something dirty and some guy gets caught, everybody uh, even psychologically um, projects their own guilt onto that person. Oh, yes. So it's like, oh, a fatty. And Fatty Arbuckle didn't do anything. That's the, No. He, he didn't do any. All he they, did. They, uh, that whole story that he, and to this day, when you say Fatty Arbuckle. You think Coke bottle. Yeah, Coke yeah. bottle he raped her with a Coke yeah. bottle. And, Virginia Raff. Yeah, uh, yes. yes. Yeah. And... First of all, she needed, was like not may he didn't make love to her with a coke bottle. No, yes. no, no. <laughs> he, he was acquitted finally. Yeah, but yeah. it didn't matter because his career was totally destroyed, yeah, it, it annihilated, and uh, and she died. I think it was a botched abortion. Yeah, yeah, it was she internal got, bleeding after a botched abortion. He had yeah. nothing to do with it. 
He was uh, he called the police. He called the yeah. agent. Everything. And, and I think the yeah. reason the Coke bottle was there is she was complaining that a stomach hurt. Yeah. And he thought that would, give her a, would yeah, help. Her. Yeah. And there's all and there's all those. Uh, you know, and I think it was because he was Fatty Arbuckle that he was like a, a family-friendly comedian. That, oh yeah, th- that always, uh, that always, and you see that nowadays with people that have, you know, uh, they do something wrong and they're a family-friendly person. Could we name yeah. some people? I hate to their friends. <laughs> <laughs> we all know they're they're all lovely people. I love them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, and, and people just people just point and 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 shriek and well, like, and there's always got to be like the scapegoat at any yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like um, what were their names? The two German black guys, uh, the huh? yeah, the singers. Oh, Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. Millie yeah. Vanilli. Yeah. So Millie, you don't Van- hear just the phrase "German wow. black guys." You German, never hear that. Wow. They originally <laughs> call themselves German black guys. They call themselves those Nazi schwarzes. <laughs> that didn't stick, huh? Yeah. yeah. The, 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 how did Nazi schwarzer not work? People well, actually, Millie Vanilli it. is German for Nazi schwarzer. Not <laughs> a lot of people know that. <laughs> And I felt like with Millie Vanilli, they got crucified. And, of course, now nobody has their voice dubbed in. And there are no tricks in the music business with people. (laughs) No, not at all. Well, and then there's things like, uh, you know, the Fatty Arbuckle story is like Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend um, was uh, sexually abused as a child. Uh, you know, not just anybody writes the song "Fiddle About." You know, <laughs> oh wow! Um, and and he, uh, and he uh, later in his life uh, had this idea that all of these illegal underage child pornography sites were still you still had to give a credit card to access them, even though they were uh, on the dark internet. And what he wanted to do, and this is his his crime was being a, a dumb, naive rock star. He thought, well, you know what I'll do? I will uh, go onto one of these sites and then trace the charge to what bank is handling these. Then I'll report the bank to the police and I will expose this giant crime. What he didn't realize is like people are already doing that. And he called the police and said, I'm going to do this. And they went great. And then his name came up, and another, you know, it was like policeman A knows he's doing it. Policeman B doesn't know, so he got arrested for accessing child pornography. And you know, when is this? Like, no, I am, but I was researching this thing. Well, if you look, he never uh, was charged with anything. He he was a he was acquitted as part of his plea deal. He has to register, I think, as a as a sex offender, but he didn't do anything. He did exactly what he said he would do. But that's a, that. It's just that third rail of behavior. It's just like, nah, kids don't care. Yeah, as yeah. opposed to Gary Glitter, who yeah. was actually yo oh, yeah Gary <laughs> up yeah to, up to stuff yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you've ever seen Mr. Glitter's Neighborhood, it's a children's <laughs> show. <laughs> a raincoat is an outfit in your neighborhood. <laughs> but yeah, but poor Pete Townsend was just guilty of being a dumb, naive rock star. Like, let the police, what if the police did that? Yeah. 
Let yeah. the police handle Yeah, it. I think yeah. they've got much more advanced methods yeah, exactly. than you. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I, when, I love when people get so out of touch. Like, if, if you ever read the book Elvis, What Happened? Like towards the end, like the Vegas, the like he would literally like pull the car over and move, like think he'd moved clouds with his hands. <laughs> like he was really, I love, it's so like Elvis in the early seventies and Howard Hughes in the seventies. When it gets so gothic and baroque and just bizarre and just the depths of depravity and debauchery that these people fall into, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> yeah. Now somebody told me that. Uh, Judy Garland, uh-huh. uh, forget it. I mean, she was yeah. totally gone for years yep. in her later years. And according, I don't know why, but she used to shit in a bucket, this guy told me. Uh, yeah, I I know uh, I know of an actress. This show's taking a strange turn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be talking about Lady from Shanghai. Wow, how do we get back to seconds. Dwight Fry? We'll, we'll talk about the no, bicycle no, thief like, in a minute. Dorothy wanted a toilet. <laughs> the lion wanted courage. <laughs> and Judy Garland wanted courage to shit in a toilet. I know of, of an actress, a yeah. popular actress. Uh, who would only wipe her backside with baby wipes and but wouldn't put them into the toilet in her trailers so she would throw them into the shower stall, you know, in those little trailers. Oh, geez. And the PA's job was to, after she used it, they would have to go in and clean up all these baby wipes. Oh! Yeah, I, I'll and, tell you. And who's this actress? I'll tell you off. I don't want to get She's alive. I don't want to get We'll sued. be besieged by requests. Yeah. Could on, she on. be described as a... Pretty woman. (laughs) (laughs) Or a golden girl, perhaps? No, I'll tell you after. I don't. Get us sued. Go ahead. I don't want to get sued. Was it Susan Anton? No, <laughs> I just wanted to see. Oh, because she was what? Golden Girl. Yes, was nice. she, that's was where she I was a going. Funny girl. <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes with Mailer Mift, but I really don't want. I don't want to put my. <laughs> Let's get back on the train here, Dana. <laughs> Does it rhyme with Hitney Bears? <laughs> it rhymes with Blachelle Blow Blama, but I can't tell you who it is. <laughs> Some shows go so so off the rails so quickly. Barry on a blonde. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I found this interesting. I listened to a couple of podcast interviews with you. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay on the yeah. cards. He's gonna, yeah. no matter what it takes. He's like Trump on the teleprompter. He's gonna, That's he's it. gonna hammer this thing That's out. That's it. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast after this. And now back to the show. Uh, I found this interesting. I did not know. I never thought of this. You was said the- it Pone Horford? <laughs> oh, come now. <laughs> what was that one? Pone Horford. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Louise Le- Lucille Lesur. Was that not her real name? Oh, Joan Crawford? Lu- yes, yes. Louise Lesur. Was it Hetty Vavis? <laughs> I've lost control. <laughs> Marilyn and... It was way of ventriloquist dummy says Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn and... <laughs> These would all make great Drew, Street, uh, Drew Friedman strips, by the way, wouldn't they? 
Yeah, we, we were talking about Drew before we turned the mics on. I didn't know. I never thought of what the mom- movie were you in with this actress? I was. I've never worked with her. This was a PA told me like okay. the worst. Thing. And what, a, what what movie? Was she was not in. No, I was just a show. It was a show. So she's a TV actress, and uh, it was just PA. I was like, what was the worst? Like, like who's biggest asshole? Worst thing you ever heard? And it was like this was the worst thing that I'd ever heard about. So she would just. It could have just. It, this could be. Uh, one of those apocryphal stories like uh, Sylvester Stallone getting the, a blowjob and his mic is still on. You know that one. Oh, oh yeah, yes, sure. Yes, We've heard yeah, that one. Yeah. It would have been funny if, if the voice came out like, cut the bulls, stroke the shift. Now yeah. say my name. Sylvester Stallone. Who was he in there with? <laughs> By the way, every story we tell on this show is an apocryphal He's story. He's in there with Mom's Mabley. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy. He's in there with Peg Bracken. Peg Bracken. Arnold Stang is giving Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold's getting blown by Arnold Stang. Now you said Dwight Fry. I heard Dwight Fry was a Christian scientist, and that is why he died of a. It was a probably a preventable heart attack. Oh, he, he did, didn't want to go to a doctor. He didn't want to go to the doctor. He died on yeah. a bus, did he not? Died on the bus going to work at the. Uh, Aircraft. Uh, he was a tool, tool maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At uh, yeah. Douglas Aircraft or something down in uh, Laguna Beach or something. Yeah. And I think his last words were <laughs> <laughs> very underrated actor. He was terrific. Renfield. Yeah. We should explain. He gives a to very. He was Renfield in the original yeah. Dracula. He was and, Fritz the Hunchback in the right. original yes. Frankenstein. And then he came back as Carl in Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and and he especially in Dracula, which is not a great movie. Yeah. Uh, the first 10, 15 minutes sets up every trope of every horror movie you will see for the rest of your life. Oh, yes. But then it's a it's a, it's a a play. It's a film it's a play. Bound, it's yeah. very boring. There, there are parts of Dracula where you go, wow. This, I mean, where there are actual camera shots. Yeah. Where you go, wow, this could have been. It's not like they didn't have the talent to do yeah. it. But I think somewhere along the way, he said, no, no, we just, the studio said, you know, we want just the play. On yeah, the yeah. Camera. I think Todd Browning, who directed it, was kind of over it by then. And because uh, he was a giant director in the, he, he directed all of Lon Chaney Sr.'s great films. Yes. And I think he was just over it by that time. And it was like, whatever. And, and I believe I might be mistaken, but I believe Carl Freund was the yeah, DP. he was the cinematographer. Right. And right. he was, like, anything that's good in that movie was him. And he later directed, I think, Mark of the Vampire, which is a lot of those things. But, but like, Bela Lugosi, all the roles, Helen Chandler, David Manners, they're all very sweaty and stage-bound and very that over-the-top, can't you say I love oh, you? Yes. Yes, sure. uh, but Dwight Fry gives a very modulated, moderate, modern performance. Like, in that, in the opening scene where Bela goes, he goes, Mr. Renfield. And he just goes, it's uh, Good to see you. Like he's, oh, it's, yes. it's a very genuine laugh because he's just behaving like a regular guy. And and like Lugosi, they the, he was the absolute last choice. Yeah. And without Lugosi, can you imagine what an awful film that would? Yeah, there was it was it was nothing. And yeah, that <laughs> Lugosi it was just one of these could not buy a fucking break. No, with a with a get a break free card. <laughs> no, I could no. not get your goddamn break. He went right from a list star to immediately Z level. Yeah, and I think it was. I, well, I don't know what it was. I assume when he turned on Frankenstein, people just thought 
uh, 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 the, the guy who ran Universal. Um, oh, uh, uh, Carl Lemley. Carl Lemley. Carl Lemley. Yeah, I just thought, well, he's a pain in the ass. Screw yeah. it. And then when Karloff came in, like, all right, we'll use Karloff instead. And uh, that's why that scene in Ed Wood is so brilliant when Martin Landau just is standing in the swamp with a rubber octopus and he just goes, you know, I turned down Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think he really said that, but that it's it's so it's so beautiful when he does that whole monologue. And that's one of those moments that movie where you I did have like a transcendent moment like I I'm watching a movie about Ed Wood and Bella Lugosi is talking about turning down Frankenstein and it's beautiful and it's really yes. well yeah. like who made how did this get made it's oh, like yeah. to paraphrase Andy Kindler like the, the target audience of this movie is men my age who are me <laughs> it's, like, it, it, it's a great film we've had Scott and Larry here yeah they're, and they've, they, and since, they're, they're friends yeah since seeing that movie they've become really good friends of mine and and it's but like that specific movie is is not lost did you ever see another movie they were involved in um autofocus Oh, oh yeah. yes, oh, yes, sure. with Greg Kinnear. Bob the scene story. with the guy who looks just like Clink yes. is feeling the girl's tits in, in Hogan's fantasy. <laughs> I was just like, this is really happening. <laughs> the guy who looks like Colonel Clink is having a sex fantasy of Bob Crane's. It's, it's so insane that these things – and, you know, again, like nothing is crazier than what really happens. Yeah, it, it's like the two main Nazis were Jews – uh, Klink escaped yeah. Germany. Yeah, Werner Klemperer. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. he they escaped. Uh, his yeah, his father was uh, Otto Klemperer, who was a, a very popular composer. Yeah, they, that's what I thought. So right, yeah. And and John Banner, who was Schultz. Yeah, right. He was actually in the camps. With his parents. I did not know that. I didn't and, know that either. And somehow they didn't have it as organized, and it was the beginning of the concentration camps, and they they somehow survived this. It's a, it's, and, and what is interesting is that you couldn't do that show today, but you could do it in 1966, even though the people that were there at oh, the time actually experienced it. Like we're we don't know we didn't no one around today you know by that would be involved in creating this show yeah. has any firsthand experience with Nazis concentration camps World War Two, but you couldn't do that show yeah back then everybody was in World War Two or knew people and remembered it but they could do that show then it's amazing how that yeah suddenly oh, people then, just suddenly what, people just name? after fifty years went you know the Nazis yeah. really were bad now you forget his name oh, already the French guy Robert Le Clary Bo- Robert Clary Robert yeah. Clary his yeah. his his parents, yes, his whole family were killed. I did not know camps. that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the weird thing is what did the, the – this is – I don't know what the decision on this was, but, uh, you know, the in the concentration – in the camps, they used ovens. So what did Clink use? The cooler. They'll just go in the opposite <laughs> oh, direction geez. entirely. Or you'll just be – everyone's so cold. That's the problem. You used to do that Hogan's Heroes bit in your uh, act. Oh, yeah. Yes. About the pitching the, uh, yeah. the series. I used to say – how did how did one guy walk into a network one day and go, here's the idea, a group of soldiers in a Nazi prison. <laughs> yeah. this. It's a comedy. <laughs> Doesn't the guy yeah. say, give me 26? Yes. 
We should yeah. get Al Ruddy. You know, Al Ruddy produced The Godfather and also Hogan's Heroes. Oh, I didn't know he also produced Hogan's Heroes. And not a lot Heroes. of people still alive. Clary's still alive, but all the rest of the cast is gone. Yeah. The Hogan's Heroes but cast. that is so we weird. I, and I still I, watch them. Do you watch them on MeTV? Oh, yeah. They're yeah. fascinating. And it's, yeah, those, like a lot of stuff, you watch it now and it, it, that almost uniquely is insane when yeah. you look oh, at it now. Oh, my God, It's yes. like how there's certain things that are so there's this again also um in the early bond connery bond movies yeah he, he's a serial rapist oh yes yes in thunderball Interesting. he out and out rapes a woman he goes into a steam room and she's in there and she goes oh no mr bond and he just stands in front of the door and shuts it and goes Oh yes, and close the door. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> oh yeah. At a certain point in between 1965 and today, rape went from being this thing it that cool illegal. guys did. Became, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were, you were talking yeah. last week. We were talking about the the Matt Helm pictures and the, yeah. and the Coburn pictures, the yeah. Flint pictures. Like Flint, yeah. Gilbert was remarking about how incredibly sexist they were. Yeah, it's They're like, insane. I'm yeah. not some big feminist by <laughs> any means, <laughs> but I, I watch those and I go, wow. <laughs> yeah. This is really it's 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 insane and and you know and that's and then the movie they just go on with it like the woman never shows up later with a bunch of cops that's it oh, yeah. <laughs> in the tuxedo and the jetpack <laughs> did you have sex with her after she said no well you might say I got on with a pressing engagement <laughs> I can't stay mad at you <laughs> guy court. <laughs> He's so good with those puns. Yeah, how can, you, <laughs> how can, how can I convict him? Yeah. Well, Ian Fleming, who wrote the Bond books, was incredibly – he said in one of the books or in an interview, like, every woman enjoys a soft rape or something oh, like geez. that. And incredibly racist, uh, uh, you know, uh, in all of the books. The book Live and Let Die might as well have been written by David Duke. I mean, it's so, <laughs> it's so brutally racist. Um, and it's – you know, it was not – you know, it was within our lifetime that this stuff was just and common. It's so funny that we were talking like how when Hogan's Heroes was on, it was really like like the Holocaust was an hour away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was not long ago. No. And I don't know if it if because it was so recently that people were like it hadn't sunk in yet that they were still in shock like a post cultural shock what's well, 20 years yeah. yeah 65 yeah. yeah yeah if people were still like in shock about it in the way that like people like you know they wouldn't you know people that served in world war 2 like didn't talk about it i yes yeah know? and then one day just before they died you know, I saw the guy's head off. Anyway. <laughs> you know. What like, else did you watch growing up? Matt? You're from Massachusetts. Yeah. What did I watched, you watch as a kid? I, You know, all the same yeah. stuff. Uh, uh, my favorite shows, I loved, uh, you know, I start, the original Star Trek was a big part of my childhood because I, it was a very chaotic house. I had I have four brothers and a sister. Um, it was just always chaos. I, I think there have been two occasions in my life when my entire family and I sat at the dinner table at the same time. Um, it was just people came and went and my parents were dr- drunk all the time and my brothers were drunk all the time. It was really just madness. And um, But every night at six, Star Trek was on. And so like that was not to get too like airy-fairy, but it was like that was a great – I needed some kind of stability. And that was like Star Trek's on at six on Channel 56. Wow. Yeah, and Creature Double Features on Saturday from 12 to 4. Do you have Karloff Schiller, too? 
Yeah, we had Chiller. Yeah. We yeah. had uh, I was not Chiller. Uh, thriller. Uh, thriller. Sorry. Yeah, Thriller and uh, Twilight oh, Zone was Boris big. Carlo. Yeah, yeah. Did Night you have a, lo- a local Night Gallery was big. Night Gallery. We've talked about okay. Night Gallery. Now, both Thriller, Thriller, which I hadn't seen for years. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're out since now. I was a kid. Now they're on TV. Yeah, they're on DVD too. And they don't hold up. No. It was not all. as good as Alfred Hitchcock Presents is is pretty good. Perry Mason holds up like like a although none of those trials every one of those trials is a mistrial. Oh, of course. <laughs> you of can't course. stand up and go, "I did it." Yeah. <laughs> There's a procedure. You know what drives me nuts is those things look dopey enough in the old uh, courtroom shows and courtroom movies. Yeah. And then they come out with a few good men. Same thing. And Jack Nicholson goes, you know, I did it. I killed <laughs> yeah. him. And I thought, what? Mm-hmm. This is what I've been sitting for two hours to find out? There's an, was that other movie, Black Rain? Oh, no, there's some movie where Sean that was Connery. Vanilli, Sean, Connery Sean Connery oh. is, is um Researching a murder in Japan or something. I think it's Black Rain. Black, and it literally ends with, like, Michael Douglas. And the end of the movie goes, he did it. And then the guy goes, like, I didn't do it. He did it. And that's the end of the oh, movie. Oh, God. <laughs> and, but you know some Oh, n- I remember even as a kid, there was some night galleries I kind of liked. But so, I yeah. always thought they, they don't hold no, up. No, they don't. At, Although the Roddy the, McDowell one is scary. The, oh, that, the pilot. Oh, that pilot. Potify. Yeah, Come t- here, Potify. That's, that's pretty terrifying. Yeah, that the pilot episode's good. It was written by, yeah, written by Rod Serling. Steven yep. Spielberg directed one of those yep. segments. Yeah, that was his I, first that's job. the one. Oh, Richard Kiley is the Nazi yep. who's trying Correct. to escape. And uh, oh, Joan Crawford. And right. Tom Bosley. And Bone Borford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bone Borford was loved, went through a lot of baby wipes. But but um, all of those, the night gallery ones, when I watch those, that is everything that was wrong with 70s yes. TV. Yes. Yes. Well yes. And they're, they're really cursed by, like, Artie Johnson is the devil. <laughs> you know? But, you know, Bert Convy is a Vietnam War veteran who becomes a tree or something. Well, they had one big scary story about either a haunted house or the devil that as a married couple was uh, Bob Crane yes. of Hogan's Heroes yeah. and Joanne Worley. Oh, and that's the one you see the shadow typing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually met Roddy McDowell, uh, my friend. Uh, was a very good friend of his and actually owns the Lawgiver statue, the nine-foot ape statue from oh Planet of the Apes. Oh, wow. wow. And my friend, my friend Brian owns that. And uh, he was very good friends with Roddy, and I actually have a picture of myself and Roddy McDowell in front of that statue. Oh. That, that, my, friend Brian, that my friend Brian took. And... Um, and he was he was he was famous for being, like, everyone's friend. Like, he would... Um, do like uh, he would have parties and you go like you know Gregory Peck Fred Grandy from the Love Boat you both play backgammon you know and he would mix and match oh, people wow. and everybody loved Roddy McDowell he was everybody's friend and uh, he lived in his in this beautiful house uh, and right across the street was uh, the guy that owns Los Angeles Angels the uh, cowboy Gene um, Autry Gene Autry lived right across the street. And they both died on the same day. Wow! In nineteen ninety eight. I didn't know that. And then. Um, a person bought the house from Marty Vitale, and then we bought it uh, from him. So uh, we lived there for uh, for years and years and years. Not haunted. 
Uh, wherever he went, he he he's happy he was there. Yeah. But there's a picture of me and Riley McDowell in front of the Planet of the Apes Lawgiver statue hanging in his old oh, house. Oh, that's now. cool. Oh, that's wow. cool. We had Ileana Douglas on the show. Who's she close, was, she who's also clo- told me stories yeah, about going to his house. She's close to Roddy. Yeah, she told yeah. me a lot of stories about going there. And perfect segue, Dr. Zayas. Yes. <laughs> you, we didn't play. No, but. That was another famous since, British queen, Maurice Evans. <laughs> Maurice Evans. Yes. But since we're talking about Planet of the Apes, there's some wonderful clips oh. on the internet. Of well, you. I have to do Roddy first. Oh, he was he, Roddy. Here's Roddy from that night gallery. Potify, come here, Potify. <laughs> what, what's amazing in in Battle for the Planet of the Apes, where he manages to be a, a furious, angry military leader and incredibly fey at the same yes. time. Fight yeah. like apes. And I actually thought in the new Andy Circus movies that they should still have given him Roddy McDowell's voice, like even though he's this big photorealistic oh, yeah. champ. He's like, Caesar is home. We must fight the humans. <laughs> was Ozzy Davis in that Night Gallery episode? Was yes, he, he was Portafoy. Yes. Port-a-foy? Yes. He was okay. Portafoy. And Greg Nicotero, who if you watch The Walking Dead, you see his name on the credits. He's the executive producer of The Walking Dead, and one of the big directors. Uh, he paid uh, an artist to do a copy of that painting and has another painting with the body coming out of the cemetery. Remember that? Oh, that was, sure. Yeah. A painting of the yeah. And he And he has it in his house, and then occasionally he'll just switch them out. To see if his kids notice. Oh, wow. That's, wow. Wow. Be, yeah. That's fun. And yeah. I saw you in that wow. short film he made where you played Lon Chaney Jr. I played Jr. Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, you know, I played. The transformation. I, yeah, Greg's a, a good buddy of mine. And um, I was in the middle of doing a pilot for ABC. Uh, and Greg called me up and said, hey, I'm going to direct the short movie. I'd, I'd helped. I worked on it with him, so I knew what he was doing. And he said, do you want to be in it? And I said, this is the week I'm producing. I can't do it. We're in production. He goes, I really wanted you to play the Wolfman. We're going to do a transformation like they did in the 40s. And I literally, like, moved the production a day. You should see it, Gil. It's funny. And to do it because it was like, how do you not do that? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And it's itchy as hell. (laughs) It's itchy as hell. You know what's funny about it? No wonder Lon drank. Even when I was a kid. And I'd watch these transformations. I knew how they did it. Yeah. I could figure it out. But I think they're still so much more effective than when they do the computerized morphing. Oh, I heard the most brilliant thing, and it's attributed to Roger Ebert. And I just heard it the other day. And it's actually something that I hammered home on, on Stand Against Evil because that's 98% practical effects. Um, and and that's that. It was in about stop motion animation. It's like... Like King Kong. Yeah. Stop motion looks fake but feels real. Yes. CGI looks real but feels fake. That's interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so brilliant. That's exactly – I can always tell. Even the best CGI I can tell. Because with King Kong, I mean that was like the most primitive uh, stop action – and and I mean, as a kid, I knew exactly it was a miniature doll. Yeah. At the, and yet, when you watch that, you know you could touch King Kong. Yeah. And you don't feel like it in the new King Kong movies. You can't touch. Yeah, it's that. not. It's not tactile. Yeah. There's yeah. no tactile. And you know what's funny when you look at the original King Kong. It looks like his fur is moving. Yes. Yeah. That's the animator's thumb. That's when they grab the armature to move it. And, it's his thumbprints, and, and but it looks got, great. They uh, people started uh, praising them, yeah. saying, "What a brilliant idea to have his his hair stand on end yeah. in those scenes." And my friend owns the only 
my friend Bob Burns owns King Kong, the 18-inch oh, armature. Oh, we got to get Bob on yeah. the show. How's he doing? Bob's good. He's, yeah, doing, he's actually doing very well. Good. He is. We, yeah. got, we should talk to Bob Burns. I yeah. was wondering how he was doing because I'd love to talk to yeah. Bob you got You can Skype him or come out. I don't know if he's if he's flying anywhere soon. But, we'll do a Skype um, with him. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I could oh, set that up for you. Uh, I would love to talk yeah. to Oh, Bob Bob's Burns. the best. Bob is Bob's great. Bob's great. And stories out. And he'll tell you stories about Lon Chaney Jr. and stuff. He told me this story. The most amazing thing that I've ever happened, like one of those, like, I, I know Bob very well. You know, I'm yeah. I'm a monster guy and I'm in the monster <laughs> circles. And I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, you either know who Forrest Ackerman was or you don't. Exactly. Yeah. Or exactly. Heidi Saha, if that, if you know what oh, that is. Oh, was that the girl with yeah, the yellow eyes? <laughs> she, was this four, she was this 14, 13-year-old girl that they did a photo book about. It was kitty porn. Yes, and Isaac Asma was like, I love her. She's wonderful. They had her in like a loincloth. It was insane. It is this crazy anomaly that you it's like that you couldn't do today. It was acceptable child porn. Yes, and there was still, literally, they said, what a lucky chair to have been sat in by Heidi Saha. Oh, like, just, that's so yes. insane. But you either know these people or not. At Bob Burns' house, I have held in my hand the my flying socks at Bob Burns. I've held in my hand Joan Crawford's bush. Um, Ed, the flying socks of Ed Wood. A bucket of shit from, from Judy Garland. <laughs> I held um, in my hand. Uh, the flying saucer from Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, wow. That he, That's then cool. You can see the holes drilled into it. You can see the square that they glued on the bottom to make it match the set. And I remember he told a story that when Lon Chaney Jr. died, nobody wanted to bother no. to talk about him. No, and I and I think yeah, he he, you know, gathered a lot of enemies over the years because he was a drunk yeah. and everything. But uh, he he went over to Glenn Strange's. Yeah, house. Well, Glenn Strange was like Bob Burns's dad, really. Yeah, like he they were in, they were profoundly close. And uh, Bob, as a as a young man, because uh, for people who don't know, like in Abbott and Costello, I mean Frankenstein, uh, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, Frankenstein monsters, Glenn Strange. A lot of the images that people have in their mind of Frankenstein is actually Glenn Strange, mm-hmm. not Boris Karloff. Yes, he was oh, also the when, bartender when on Gunsmoke. Yes, he was. When I was a kid, I remember this. Boris Karloff died, and the New York Times had a picture of Glenn Strange. Yep. Oh, that's depressing. I remember that, yeah. But, uh, but... Oh, here's here's one of these things I'm very proud of knowing, even though I think all, all monster geeks know this. In Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, there's one part where Frankenstein throws the girl through the window... And that's Lon it's, Chaney yeah, Jr. Yeah, Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah, yeah. that is Lon Chaney Jr. Yeah. Glenn Strange had sprained his ankle or something. And there's really there's have you seen the there's outtakes of that movie on YouTube. There's there's a there's a, a reel of outtakes of Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein on YouTube that you can see. Yeah. It's three three really fascinating things. One, there's a scene where Abbott sits on uh no, Costello oh, sits yeah, on Glenn he Strange. Starts and starts, which is so insane yeah. to see. And then there's another one. You just see every time Lou uh, Costello messes up, you just see Lon Chaney like shrug and go back to one. Like he's so over it. 
Yeah, like he's a, yeah. He's not entertained by Lou Costello at oh, all. Oh, and you can hear all the like, ha, 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 like people who have to be there. And he couldn't get... And then there's one where Lou Costello says the most insanely sexist thing to the actress in the scene where it, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's something to the effect of uh, uh, he steps on her line or something. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. And she goes, oh, it's okay. And she goes, okay. And then he says something like, uh, the only time it's going to be okay is when you say go and then it's okay and you just hang on. Oh. It's like, she's in it and she just like and, smiles. And then there's and it's just also this awful, part. awful. What was the name of, uh, I forget his name, Abbott and Costello's friend that they hired to be a kibitzer? Right. On, uh, um, I know the guy you're talking yeah. about. The guy that plays Mr. McDougal? No, no, it's not Mr. McDougal. But he does pop up in the movie. Uh-huh. He's like like some little... What are you talking about? Not Bobby Barber. Oh, that could be. The little bald guy from the that was in the series? I don't know. The one Drew's, Drew's obsessed with Bobby Barber. Yeah, but he... I find that hard to believe. They, yes, they, I know you do. They hired him. <laughs> they hired him to keep the levity up on the set. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and it's like, you see him like where Lugosi's doing a scene... And he sneaks up behind Lugosi with a cape around his face. And Lugosi just kind of looks over. <laughs> and and it's like, you know, if Leave I were alone. there too, I'd feel like, can we film this and get the fuck yeah, home? I'm 57, I'm a morphine addict. Yes. Can I just go home? <laughs> <laughs> just go home and shoot up, please? <laughs> I heard you doing a podcast about horror comedies. With uh, with Malton, with Leonard Malton. You have? Yeah, yeah. You did, and <laughs> oh, you, oh, no, you, I did Leonard's show. You did Leonard's show. Talking, yeah, I was talking yeah. about Harkon. Would you yeah. call that the most, would you call uh, Avon Costello Meet Frankenstein the yeah, most well, successful of that? Uh, yeah, and I've been talking genre? about this a lot because of Stand Against Evil, uh, because uh, it, there's a, there's there are there are comedies that are set in the world of horror, like Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, and then there are horror films that have comedy in them. And they're different. Yes. And, uh, you know, what um, I think Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein and Young Frankenstein are probably the two most famous horror comedies. And a, and a, a movie that brought this up with Leonard Maltin that I think is painfully, painfully, painfully underrated is The Ghost of Mr. Chicken, which is a Don Knotts film sure. that has every character actor in the 60s in it. Yep. And is really funny. Frame one to the end of the credits. It's a great. I haven't seen it in years, but you, it's, you, really it's sort of great. an outgrowth of the Griffith Show. Absolutely, movie, yeah. and it's a, Don Knotts is firing on all cylinders. It's really funny. It's really great. Then there are things like An American Werewolf in London, which is a horror movie. Yes, but it's funny. Yeah, because the people in the horror movie are behaving sort of normally. Yes, instead of in the heightened way that a horror film requires. But the horror is not aware that there's comedy going on. Like the scary stuff is scary. Yeah. And 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 that's what Stand Against Evil is. It's basically a sitcom that's trapped in a horror movie. Uh and uh but we've been talking about that a lot. And but th- it's hard because there are 7 trillion ways to do it wrong and that happens all the oh, time. You know what what gets me is like after Airplane and Naked Gun, people would watch these movies and go, "Oh, oh okay, I think I get it now." I'll make my own like that, and they're always yeah. 
horrible. Yeah, they're always awful. Saturday the 14th being a great example oh. of a oh, terrible yeah. movie. God. Directed by Richard Benjamin, who's no dummy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, but, uh, but it, it and doesn't And made some work. good movies, like My Favorite Year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's weird that they sh- they should work, and they and then there's movies like Beetlejuice, which sh- on paper shouldn't work. Yeah, and it does work. And but or Ghostbusters, oh, which they, mm-hmm. and, shouldn't and really I remember work. Remember, they used to try to hire. They used to figure, well, we'll get Leslie Nielsen, and yeah. then we'll have a we'll just do stuff that people recognize. Yeah, they did a Fugitive parody. And, oh and yes, was a, and. A, and Two thousand and one, a space travesty. Is that I, a movie? Oh, you owe it to yourself to see it. <laughs> Do you, zero laugh. I think there's an Exorcist. I think yes, he did one called with, Repossessed. With, yes, uh, yes, yes, yeah, 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 with Linda Blair. Well, and then Dracula, Dead and Loving It, which right. uh, oh yeah, you know, it's like that's we all kind of look away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, yeah, that's one of those movies that just, like, that you, you go, don't want to see. No. Yeah, you don't have to have. You don't. You don't have to make a movie. Well, you know the here. You know, we talked about Ed Wood. Yeah. Uh, which is, a, I think, should be enshrined in the National Mall. Like that movie is is so brilliant and so beautiful. Every performance and, is great, and just every frame is yeah. is beautiful in that movie. And and Tim Burton clearly. It resonated with him, and I think yeah. it paralleled his relationship with Vincent Price in a, in a, in oh, a very yes, strange way. Yes. And I ended up living that movie. And I'll tell you that later. Um, but and then he makes Dark Shadows or and Planet of the Apes. It's like how can you how can you hit it so hard and then miss it yes. so thoroughly? You're clearly brilliant. What happens? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it happen? wasn't on the page. Yeah, what? Ha- well, I I don't get it. But I I was a big fan of uh, of all that you know Ed Wood and Drew Free, you know that whole world was sort of like um, I was into it as everybody else and wanted to. Uh, uh, I had a show. I, the only job I've ever been qualified to do that I've ever wanted to do is host horror movies. Oh yes, you know. And I've, <laughs> I have friends at Turner Classic Movies. I like. Let me do it. I'll just fly me down once a month. We'll knock out four of them. Oh yeah, I'll do yeah. it. I'll cut. You don't have to pay me. Yeah, I just want to do it. Well, we got to run it. You know, it's it's just like I did uh, on USA. I I well USA, but yeah, he's, I also was on uh, the Essentials. Turn a classic movies with Robert Osborne, right? And I picked four movies and right. we talked. And I remember, you know, I got some money. For it, yeah. no, 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 a tremendous amount. But I thought they're paying me for this. this yeah, yeah, thing. it's just yeah. To me, I felt like I would gladly sit with Robert Osborne for ten hours <laughs> yeah. and talk. All we had him here. Yeah, yeah, yeah he I, was terrific. Well, yeah, Eliana does a great job too. By the way, yes, uh, on on TC. Ben Mankiewicz just yeah. interviewed me as Doctor Zayas in front of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yes, which <laughs> I have to send you the great. link because it only aired in theaters. But I did it. They did it because they showed Planet of the Apes in theaters. Yeah. And I have because of Greg Nicotero, I have access to that makeup, and uh, and I I had done it before on YouTube. I did uh, it was a sketch I wrote for the Ben Stiller show, and we got canceled before I got a chance to do it. But it was Doctor Zayas doing Mark Twain tonight. Uh-huh. It's great, and, and so it's on YouTube. And then he goes, "Could we interview you as Doctor Zayas?" Says, sure, and I did it like I was on Merv. Yeah. I was just talking. He was well. I was do. How did I get the film? I was doing with Six Get Egg Roll at the Pasadena <laughs> Playhouse with a very young Lindsay Wagner, who's a delight, and you need to get her on this show. 
you know, just like the, the Suzanne Flechette, who's a love. She's, you know, I, she lives in Ohio now, has horses. I see her occasionally. <laughs> but so, long story longer, I saw Ed Wood. I was so fascinated by that. And I had a friend, a friend of a friend knew Myla Nurmi, who was Vampira. And I interviewed her for this thing I did on the Sci-Fi Channel called The Big Scary Movie Show that was hosting horror movies for Halloween week in 1996 or 7. And I became very good friends with Myla Nurmi. We became very close and ended up basically recreating Ed Wood's relationship with Bela Lugosi. Oh, wow. I took care of her for the last for the last 15 years of her life and, um, you know, ended up moving her into another apartment oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, just kind of taking care of her. Uh, but it was funny. It was like I, I was a fan of that movie and then I lived that movie. Like I, I would get those 12 o'clock phone calls. I think there's someone breaking into the – no, it's, I remember it's a raccoon. When Larry and Scott were on this show, mm-hmm. they wrote Problem Child. Yeah. And, and I asked them, I said, I see a connection with Problem Child and every movie you've done after that. But there's some sort of weird connection. What's the connection? Like, well, in some ways, number one, that they were like totally disrespected right. at the problem child, even though it was yeah. so popular. Yep. And uh, so the idea of being like a joke in the business, but still being popular. And mm-hmm. so and so they followed that with, you know, movies like Ed Wood or like Eyes. Yeah. Which were popular. Oh, big eyes. Yeah. Paintings. But everyone looked down on them. And- and well, the other, the original Edward was originally supposed to be directed by Michael Lehman, who had written Hudson, who had directed Hudson Hawk. That was a huge bomb. Oh my God! Yeah, and, and Bruce, right, uh, and they was... wanted to do the the people who wrote the most critically lambasted movie of the year, and the guy who directed the biggest bomb of yeah. the year are going to make a biopic about the worst director of all time. <laughs> that was like the joke originally, and then they brought Tim in to produce it to get it made. And then Tim read it and said, oh, I think I might want to direct this. But he had a pay or play at Columbia to do a movie called Mary Riley with Boulia Roberts. Oh, yes. Um, with Hula. Hobbits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he goes and he said literally it was like, well, see what you can do. So they wrote the script and he and he literally like Tim had like, a, if you can get me a script in in six weeks, that's the end of my window for Mary Riley. And uh, and and Larry uh, says I came home one day and I read the script and uh, it was on Friday night and I came home. There's a message on my answering machine. It was like, uh, Larry, it's Tim. I read the script. I love it. Uh, this is going to be my next movie. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Columbia I'm passing on Mary Riley and I have no notes. Wow. And that was it. And they basically shot That's the great. first draft. And it just sort of existed in a state of grace. That whole yeah, project. yeah, that whole thing. And it, it just, and then basically. They shot the first draft with a couple changes just to accommodate Bill Murray's schedule. And I, oh, I remember when I said that to Scott and Larry about the connection mm-hmm. with Problem Charlie, they both said that's absolutely true. Oh, well, wow. That's really yeah. funny. Well, Misfits, films about yeah. Misfits. Yeah, yeah. well, OJ yeah. is a perv. Yeah. Misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> a problem child. <laughs> oh, and they wanted to make Problem Child basically into kind of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the weirdest story of that is, and this is going back, do you remember a movie My Stepmother is an Alien? Sure. Oh, yes, yes. Sure, that, that, with Dan Aykroyd right. and Kim that Basinger. That book was and about... John Lovitz, I think, was in I it? I think so. Yeah. The, the book was originally about a kid whose stepmother was abusive. 
Ooh. And in his mind, he had to rationalize that she was an alien, and that was the only way he could get through it. Like, he created this, and it was a very dark, serious movie about a kid that created a fantasy to allow him to stay in reality wow. that, that people do. And they went, we got a better idea. <laughs> She's really an alien. <laughs> it's like, and the thing is, that story you just told me, I said, I was thinking, I'd be fascinated to see yeah. that movie. Yeah. Because the way the movie turned out, it's one of the old-time worst. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think well, that's Richard great, Benjamin again. It's a great example of not knowing where the the scary stuff starts and the comedy lives. You know, you know, I think Mars Attacks would be much funnier if you took the aliens from Mars Attacks and edited them into Independence Day. Yes. If, you had the, the, if the humans are playing it straight as a heart attack and the aliens were funny— it's a much better movie than Jack Nicholson trying to be funny in a fake nose and a cowboy suit. Yeah, I remember when when I watched uh, Mars Attacks, it seemed like I was getting annoyed that everyone's being so goofy and like, yeah, well, look at me, I'm so funny. It's the ingredients of a joke without it being a joke. It's like if I gave you fl- a bowl of flour with an egg in it and said, I made you a cake. Yes. No, yeah. th- this is what you need to make a cake, but it's not a cake. <laughs> well, that's a movie you really want to work with those people in it and and, and Larry and Scott's involvement and yeah, everything yeah. just – all the elements are there. Yeah, it's just, just like, it's just like you got to know – in Dark Shadows, it's the same thing. You either know how to tell a joke or you don't. Yeah. Somebody has to be funny and somebody has to be – you need a funny man and a straight man. Somebody needs to be normal and somebody needs to be not normal. Well, it, but it worked in Beetlejuice, so you yeah. can't criticize him yeah. because Beetlejuice is the same goddamn thing, but it works. It's just like uh, when they were making Airplane, the studio said, like, let's get a bunch of comedians. And yeah, they no, said, no, 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 let's get totally straight actors yeah. who look like they don't know they're in a comedy. Right. That's exactly right. It's the only that reason that brilliant. movie works. Oh, yeah. 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 And just the other thing, and it's like Young Frankenstein, too. And there's just a joke every seven seconds. Yeah. I mean, it's just boom, 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 which oh, you really yeah. need. So you're really, your career goal was really to be a horror host. Yeah, well, it's the only <laughs> thing I know how to do. <laughs> did you have a horror host, a local one in, in Massachusetts well, we, growing up? We did, Well, we had FEEP. That was before I was born, but I knew about FEEP. My brothers talked about FEEP. I have older brothers that were into all this stuff, so I know about stuff more than I should for my age. You know, I was like, I know a lot about Dark Shadows because it was on in my house every day when I was four and five years old. Dan Curtis. Um, Dan Curtis. Yeah. Grumpy Dan Curtis. Um I've got a story about that one. <laughs> oh, do you remember those fucking awful horror TV movies that Dan Curtis Trilogy made? of Terror yeah. with Karen yeah. Black yeah, and the Zuni finished all. That but, one's great. But he also made that horrible. Jack, Charles Jack Palance, Dr. Jack yeah. Yeah. Hyde. Where he looked like Mr. Hyde in yeah. either Didn't he way. he do Palance's Dracula? And he, he did uh, Jack Palance's Dracula yes. too. Yeah. And he would use the Dark Shadows music. Yeah. Oh, Robert Colbert was the guy's name because we used it as the temp track on Stand Against Evil. Stand Against Evil looks like it was made in 1973. 
And that was intentional. Yeah. They have old cop car. It's not set in 1973. They have the internet and they have cell phones, but they have old console televisions and yeah. old cop cars. I just wanted it to feel like like yeah. when Michael calls. Oh, I wanted yeah. it to feel like a, a, one of those. A oh, great, I know that, a that great movie. Ben. Speaking of Ben Gazzara, <laughs> <laughs> that's a creepy movie. Yeah, when Michael calls is really creepy. Anti my Helen. Um, but uh, yeah, Dan Curtis. Uh, but but he also made the Night Stalker, which was right, a great sure. TV yes. movie. Sure. Yeah. And he made the Night Stalker. He didn't direct it. He produced it. And it was a huge hit. Biggest, highest rated TV movie in history up to that point. They had no idea it was going to be this big. Uh, So the next year they made the Night Strangler. Dan Curtis fires the director, John Welwyn Moxie, and says, I'm going to direct this myself. I'm going to direct this myself. And the Night Stalker was basically a shot-for-shot remake of the Night Stalker with another monster in it. It's literally as if he had... Like, okay, do this. And then he did it. Yeah. But he was such, supposedly, such an a-hole that on the last night, they're shooting, it's a night shot, he was yelling at some poor crew member that, you know, just punching down. And apparently, Darren McGavin just said, fuck this, you got it. And he went home, and that was it. Wow. And when they picked it up as a TV series, he said, I'm only going to do it if Dan Curtis isn't involved. Oh, and that's wow. why Dan Curtis wasn't on the TV series. Universal wrote him a check, and, uh, and Darren McGavin produced it. Makes you like Darren McGavin even more. I like him anyway. Yeah. The man with a golden like arm. That. Yeah. But it's like he was yelling at some crew guy and he's like, fuck you. <laughs> so you met Roddy McDowell. You met Merv. I've met everybody. And That's you met Vincent Price. I did meet Vincent Price. I met Which Vincent you have to Price. tell Gil. Uh, he came to my acting class in the University of Massachusetts. Uh, as one day we just yeah. walked in, Vincent Price was in the class. It was the craziest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And he just, you know, gassed on for a while. I remember I, I first met Vincent Price on the Alan Thick show, Thick of the, Thick Night. Of the Night. And then years later, I was at some horror convention doing something. And, and Vincent Price was there. And I went over to him and I said, look, you probably won't remember this. But uh, we met on the Alan Thick show, and he goes, "Oh yes, that was a terrible show." <laughs> okay, I'll I'll see your Alan Thick story, <laughs> and I'll raise I'll, I'll you. add a, I'll add a wrinkle. <laughs> I did stand up at the Saturn Awards, yeah, which is the Sci Fi Awards, and I used to do a Vincent Price bit, and it was. It was just basically how to do a Vincent Price impression, which is he has two voices, the smooth voice, and then he spazzes out. He's like, I understand your car broke down. I insist that you stay here with us tonight. Don't talk to any of the paintings. <laughs> you know, he would just, <laughs> have to change gears. So I'm working at The Simpsons at the time, and sometimes during lunch, I just to get out of the office, I'd go down to the Toys R Us on Pico and La Cienega and just you know, mope around and look at toys. Yeah, And I, I swear to God, this is true. I hear, oh, you're the comedian. You did Vincent Price at the Saturn Awards. And I turned around and it was Mark Hamill. Oh my God. <laughs> That's said, fun. Yeah. And he was there. I didn't know he was there. And, and we chat and we, and he goes, I know Vincent Price. And so this is me doing Mark Hamill, telling me his Vincent Price story. That's very similar to your story. <laughs> he goes, you know, I've been in a lot of movies that aren't that good. You know, and and I'm a fan of the Tingler. I love the Tingler. And when I met Vincent Price, I said, I love the Tingler. And he said, isn't that a marvelous piece of rubbish? And 
You know, when people tell me they're like like Corvette Summer, I go, isn't that a marvelous piece of rubbish? <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's Mark Hamill telling a Vincent Price story. All right, so this is the perfect segue for this. <laughs> to my Albert Brooks' Stanley Kubrick story? Take that, sir. All right, Gilbert. Okay. Vincent Price impressions are so good. <laughs> we did this with Michael McKean and Gilbert. Call, we, by, by the we, way, a delight. A lovely guy. Michael McKean. We adored him. Great episode. <laughs> so we'll call this what we called the, the segment the last time we did it. What was the name, Frankie? Price Comparison? That'll work. That's the Price ta- Comparison. That's the, ta- that's the, tacky, the tacky title for this. All right. but, but the impressions are so good that I, I, I think our fans would enjoy hearing dueling Vincent Prices. So, Gilbert, you want to start? No, are we doing – is he doing the whole thing and then I'm doing the whole yeah. thing? Okay. We, we should, as Vincent Price, too, <laughs> saying something stupid like, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's, try, let's try the actual dialogue yeah. first. Can we get those lyrics? Then we stay nine and – and most of all, most of all, I'm sorry that I'm saying something stupid like I love you. <laughs> well, my, my Don Knotts, I used to do a bit about Don Knotts where his voice was so specific that he couldn't make obscene phone calls. And they're like, you know, he'd like to. He's up at two in the morning. He's in a dirty bathrobe. I've been looking at you through the bedroom window. Is this Don Knotts? God damn it. <laughs> Years later, I met his daughter. Oh, I met Lord. his daughter Karen. Yeah, who's great. Who's really sweet. And she goes, "I love that bit you do about my dad." <laughs> <laughs> like, have you heard it? Well, well here's what we'll do. Okay. Gilbert, you do yours. Dana will do his, and then we'll combine them. Okay, okay. great. <clears throat> Go ahead, Gil. Perhaps your hands will shake, and he too will die under your knife. A few remaining minutes are all you have, because when the acid reaches him, he will have a face like mine. (laughs) Man. All right. Do you know where you are, Bartholomew? I'll tell you where you are. (laughs) You're about to enter hell, Bartholomew. Hell! The netherworld, the infernal region, the look at the giant bush, the abode of the damned, <laughs> the place of torment, pandemonium, Abaddon, Tophet, Gehenna, Naraka, the pit, and the pendulum. <laughs> but before you die, I have to tell you, the best artwork is still on sale at Sears. <laughs> That's fantastic. Frank, find. Find the lyrics to Frankie, can you saying find the, something stupid, stupid like stupid I love the you. Sinatra song. <laughs> okay, but since you mentioned the tingler, go ahead. Oh. We'll do this one, too. Okay. Oh, that's you. So I was talking about the tingler today. Yours was from Fibes, and uh, Dana's was from, obviously, Pit Five, the By the way, the, the two Dr. Fibes movies are fantastic. So, un, again, oh, like, yes. really need to be. Don't remake them. Just re-release them. They're great. Them up. Yes. They're great. They're so... Like, that is the movie that Tim Burton should be making. Yeah. You know, the, Dr. Fives. Theater of Blood's pretty good, too. Yeah, nine yeah. killed her and nine <laughs> will die. Yes, that's it. With, with Diana Rigg, uh, maybe one of the most beautiful women ever. Oh, yes. Just walk the earth in her prime. All right, Gil. Start us off, and then you see how it works, and then you'll do the, the bottom part in stereo. Great. We'll do it together. 
Ladies and gentlemen, a word of warning. If you are not convinced that you have a tingler of your own, the next time you're frightened in the dark, don't scream. <laughs> the tingler exists in every human being we now know. Look at that tingler, Dave. It's an ugly and dangerous thing. Ugly because it's the creation of man's fear. Dangerous because... Because a frightened man is dangerous. <laughs> and now together? Ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, and gentlemen please, please do not, do not panic, panic, but, but scream, scream! Scream for your lives! <laughs> Only he was alive to know what was going on. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Fantastic. I have. Do you have his cookbook? I have somebody. Yeah, like a cookbook. He was quite. Have you seen the electronic trivia game? Are you familiar oh, with that? Did you the, find the those Price? lyrics? No, I used to have the box for the shrunken head apple sculpture. Yeah, that's good. And there's also Hangman. He was on two board games. Here come the lyrics. Okay. One for you, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, one for you, sir. Is that the right one? It's a little I think. Oh, shit. Can you read it? Uh, yes. I Okay, I can read it. Can you read it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know them, Gil, okay. pretty much. Something. Okay. Joey, do, do, we, want some I, do we want some karaoke uh, accompaniment, or are you guys going to just do it? Yeah, because I mean, they, I know they, we res- have to respond back and forth like Frank and Nancy. Yeah. Did, 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 did Frank do the first quatrain and then Nancy came in for the second? Or is it every other I think line? She, doesn't she start it and then he comes in? I think he starts it. He does. Let's do it every other line to keep it exciting. Okay. Oh, okay. I know I stand in line until you think you have the time to spend an evening with me. And if we go someplace to dance, I know that there's a chance you won't be leaving with me. And afterwards we drop into a quiet little place and have a drink or two. And then and I go then and I spoil go it all no, by oh, saying no. something <laughs> stupid <laughs> like, I love you. <laughs> I can see it in your eyes that you despise the same old lies you heard the night before. And though it's just a line to you, for me it's true and never seems so right before. <laughs> I practice every day to find some clever lines to say to make the meaning come through. But then I think I'll wait until the evening gets late and I'm alone with you. The time is right, your perfume films I had. The stars are red and all the nights so blue. And then I, I go, go and, and spoil it all, it all by saying, saying something, something stupid, stupid like, I, I love you. you. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, speaking of the, the worst, the, talk about date. This song is as dated and crazy oh God, as Hogan's yes. Heroes. No. Uh, li- uh, 
First of all, it's was a it? father and daughter. Yeah, yeah that's insane. So, and this yeah. is crazy. It's like Trump and Ivana. Trump, Trump and Ivana. <laughs> but no, is, it, is it Wives and Lovers? Mm-hmm. That song is fucking insane. Hey, little girl, fix your hair, comb your makeup, time to get ready for love. It's basically, uh, it goes, uh, you might want to pull them because is that the rack song? Yeah. yeah. Day after day, there'll be girls at the office and men will always be men. Don't greet him at home with your hair up in curlers. You may not see him again. Because lives should all because wives can always be lovers too. Run to his arms whenever he comes home to you. I'm warning you. <laughs> it's basically you I, better fuck it up. You better I keep- saw on the Dean Martin show. He sings. Um, oh, oh, what's that from? Uh, 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 Oh, what's uh, uh, oh, it's with uh, with a real live girl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he sings real live girl, and they have the set set up like a children's playground. Oh, god, and Dean Martin is on swings and going down the slide with little. Girls, so... little girls are there now. I could understand if they put his dancers there, yeah. and it could be a funny. Th- but there were little girls, and Dean Martin is sliding down the slide and going on the swings and the monkey bars, singing about a real live girl. That is. Can you see this on the web? Is it is it available? I, I on... don't know. That's yeah, Heidi exactly. Heidi Saha level clues. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know what movie really does not well uh, age well is um, What's Up, Tiger Lily. Oh, no, yeah. No, <laughs> With the, yeah. like lusting after all the Asian women. It's like, uh, we all know how that turned out. <laughs> yeah, that one does not that one does not roll well. <laughs> well, I'm running out. But of- I still like the theme uh 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 Dave David Seba- uh, this yeah, what's his name? Sebastian. Uh, uh, John Sebastian. John Sebastian. And, and a loving spoonful uh-huh. sing the theme song, which is I've always been the guy with the finger in his nose when, when the passport, passport picture gets, gets taken. When, when the, the other guys, guys take us out stealing chickens it's on the me one caught, caught in the, the bacon. bacon. When they drop a piano from the 42nd, 42nd floor, floor, I'm always underneath looking, looking up. When a tidal wave strikes 100 miles an hour, I'm the one on the rail throwing up. Bum, 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 bum. We kapow. Somehow I would have looked anyhow. One little look and then holy cow. You folks could see me now. Yes. Yeah. What do we got, Paul? Our researcher, Paul. Oh, my God. Oh, he found it. He found the video on YouTube. It's creepier than I described it. There's a girl sitting on his lap. Dana will now watch the video. On oh Paul's my God. phone. Yeah, th- I love that. That's actually a great song. Yes. And he sings it really fast. I was always just the fellow with the finger oh, up his yes, nose yes. and the passport. He was, by the way, Love is Beautiful, great. Yeah. I, this isn't. Oh. Oh, I've, I know this song. He's, he's He has a little girl in his lap when he's singing a uh, real life girl. Times have changed. Yeah. Oh, and he's making them breathe into a rag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is really... It's creepy. Okay. So... <laughs> oh, Dean. 
So I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast with my my sidekick and, and boy wonder. <laughs> Oh, Lord. I'm not wearing the tights. Yes. I'll tell you now. With with my modern day (laughs) Burt Ward. I wish. French Santo Padre. And and, uh, we've been talking, of course, to Vincent Price. (laughs) We've been talking of bushes and excrement. You know, Dana, when we had uh, people like Janet Ann Gallo on the show and Ron Chaney and sure. we had Bella, G- Bella Jr. But we had Janet Ann Gallo. She was the little girl from uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. Yes. Wow. And still to come, hopefully, Donnie Donegan. Yes. Wow, from, Donnie. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I read film facts. I know yeah. who Donnie Donegan is. <laughs> <laughs> This is the point I was making. Is this is the perfect show for you? Uh, no, it really is. In fact, when you said Burt Ward, I was—I'll tell you a really a great little story about how great Adam West is. To wrap it up, yeah. so say something positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of our favorite guests, by the way, on here. Well, why not? A gentleman. He was on The Simpsons doing uh, Krusty the Clown was on a, an old Batman, and we had Adam come in to do the voice, and we had recorded him, and he was—you know—you know—he's charming oh, yeah, he's and terrific. wonderful, yeah, and the best. And uh, just before he left, we said, we just need some wild lines for you now. Just like grunting and groaning like you're struggling in vain. He went, okay. Struggling in <laughs> vain. <laughs> it's like we, we did not tell him to do it. He just, just and we were just like in awe. It was like, it was like, it was like, it was like hearing that opening. It was like hearing Paul McCartney do the opening chord to Hard Day's Night. It was, just, oh, yeah. dude, it was just like so like, yeah, that's exactly what you need to do. That's a good impression of Adam Struggling. West. And, and he, that book, Back to the Batcave, had just come out and he goes, you know, the hubris to write that book. The hubris. <laughs> <laughs> he paid Gilbert quite a compliment when we had him on. Oh, he said I would have made a great Joker. Oh, Pen- yeah, you oh, penguin. Yeah, no, great. Penguin. Yeah. Penguin, I mean. Yeah, I so would funny. have, And I thought, I was stunned when he said that. I yeah. couldn't believe it. You would have made a great Penguin, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> That's but the best Adam West I've heard. Time is a cruel mistress, Gilbert, and it didn't happen soon enough. There's a great line where like, the Batmobile broke down and Robin's angry here and they have to run. And he goes, caution, Robin. The Batmobile is a machine made by man, and like man, has its flaws. <laughs> and what was it's perfect? What was that horrible special with Batman and the other? Oh, the so, Legends of the Superheroes. Oh, you have to be God, familiar with that. And the roast. Ghetto Man. Yeah. Get, by the way, Ghetto Man. The actor who played Ghetto Man is still is still around. Oh, and we someone, gotta have him. One on. of our fans uh, is friends with him and offered him up. So we have to talk and to Ghetto Man. And they have a scene where Batman and Robin, Ward and yeah, uh, yeah, uh, they they meet against this super powerful villain, Solomon Grundy. I oh, believe. yes. Yeah. And and. <laughs> Batman and Robin just kind of like walk away from the fight. They go, oh, all right, you got a set time, and they casually walk away. <laughs> I thought, that's it? <laughs> I just watched the original Batman movie from 66. That is the progenitor of Airplane. You know, that that is the first example of like, it's the guy that looks like the guy. 
and he's not aware he's in a comedy. Yeah. And he's playing it straight as a goddamn heart attack. Yeah. They're they're cousins. They're 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 absolute cousins. And the director yeah. just passed at 101. Wow. Leslie goodness. Martinson. Yeah. So anyway, since I told the other parts already, <laughs> thank you, our special guest Dana Cool. Thank Thanks, you Dana. Very much. It was fun. <laughs> oh, you want to you want to put in the last plug about the uh, about the show? Oh IFC? yeah. If you enjoy Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein, give Stand Against Evil a chance. It premieres on Halloween night, actually, at 10 p.m. on IFC, and that's a sneak preview. And then it starts its regular run when, uh, Wednesday, November second. Uh, at 10 p.m. on IFC, it stars John C. McGinley from Scrubs. Funny man. And uh, Janet Varney, and uh, I'm in there a little bit, and uh, it's really good. I'm really uh, I'm really proud of it. It came out. It, I, for better or worse, it's exactly what I wanted to tell you. Good. And yeah. your podcast. And my podcast, The Dana Gould Hour, and um, I uh, frequently wipe my ass only with baby wipes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dana. <laughs> and and the actress was Amarin Eaz. <laughs> 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 As I said, every story on the show is apocryphal. Glue, glue, glary, glore. <laughs> <laughs>